2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Welcome
4: in. What do you say? How about a little early line right here on SportsGrid? On a Monday morning, I'm Kevin Walsh. I am joined by Donnie Wrightside. Donnie, it has the feel of a big show and a big week. How are you, my man?
5: Uh, feeling good. New week, new money, as always. Another mm. championship in the books there with the U.S. Open. A lot to look forward this week, and also maybe a show that eh, outside the studio. K Dub, a little later in the week. Mm. Mm, Some are saying
4: the Walsh right-side in-person reunion is the most anticipated <laughs> return since CM Punk this weekend. <laughs> Let's get to the 7-7 seven and seven here. Wyndham Clark out here getting it done at the U.S. Open. Keeps a steady head, shoots a 70 on Sunday, and that's all he needed. Holding off Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler, who finished second and third at this tournament. They as well kept it par. Ricky Fowler, who was the co-leader with Wyndham Clark, heading into the final round here, Donnie. A struggling day out there, shooting five over, dropped him back, tied for fifth with Tommy Fleetwood, who was fantastic on Sunday, but it's Wyndham Clark getting the job done here at the U.S.
5: Open. Pressure and nerves there. That's what's going to create those type of wins. And also, congratulations to Wyndham Clark on holding off. And you're right. Shooting 70 on the foul day of a major when everything was in the sights for Ricky Fowler. Ends up shooting 75. You can be a great player, but in those moments, Kevin, when you just have to save par or make a clutch five-foot putt, Wyndham Clark did all that this week. And also, shout out to USGA, who I was, like, saying after Thursday, come on now, eight under par, the winning score, 10 under par. That's pretty good. They doctored that course very nicely on Friday Friday, Saturday, and Sunday.
4: They certainly did. And that course remained a talking point. Uh, I love the broadcast. Brooks Kepka, as he finished up, was like, ah, he said he really hated this course. And they're like, yeah, you tend to not like the courses that you're struggling on. I bet you he loved where they were out there playing the PGA championship and uh, things of the nature. We will, of course, break it down more as to what happened with the U.S. Open. But we also got a blockbuster deal yesterday in the NBA as Bradley Beal is now a member of the Phoenix Suns. The Washington Wizards and the Suns collaborate on what I'd like, see I'm saying it's a blockbuster deal, but it's a bit lackluster in fact, Donnie, from what we are used to seeing star players go for here. Beal lands in Phoenix, what really amounted to salary cap relief.
5: Yes, and so many times you see a above-average player, superstar caliber type player get moved, and you completely gut the franchise from moving on to a new player. That actually didn't happen here at this point, and who knows who actually won this trade, but if you're looking from the outside looking in, Kevin, the season, the Suns did get better from what they had later. Obviously, when adding a player like Beal, you lose Chris Paul. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I need a bench, Kevin. I need a bench on the Suns. It was their downfall this year. It might be their downfall next year.
4: The Suns go from plus 800 to win the NBA championship to plus 650 with the move. Chris Paul, the big name, going back to Washington. They said they want to keep him. I don't believe that, but they do intend to reroute him with the Los Angeles teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, seemingly most interested. Also, there's a pivot here for Miami, a lot to unpack. In other NBA news, John Morant on Friday found out the length of his suspension, 25 games from the NBA to the Memphis Grizzlies, star guard, a number, Donnie, that folks here, I think watching this show probably feel was a little bit light in large part part to the way the NBA talked about this suspension. We bring our radio audience into the fold here on a Monday morning, the Early Line Sirius XM, Channel 159, ja suspended DRS for 25 games.
5: 25 games. If you don't know any background in the NBA or any sports, it seems like a heck of a lot of games. But the way the NBA was setting this one up and basically said, we can't talk about this until so the finals are over. We expected probably almost a year's suspension out of John Moran. Most feel, including myself, he got off lightly here, Kevin. We will break that down a little bit later inside this hour. Over
4: on the pitch, the U.S. men's national team getting it done, DRS, against Canada. Friend of the show. Is Gabe Morency a friend of the show if he's never been on the show? Ah, he's a friend of the show. He was upset, says Canada needs a new goalie. As USA bag too early here, and they win the final, Donnie, of the Conficash Nations League.
5: Yeah, Gabe was so upset he went to an F1 race. Couldn't even watch this soccer game between the U.S. <laughs> and Canada at this point here. But, hey, good for the U.S. Winning games yeah. never hurt anybody, even though, Kevin, what are we winning? Like, do they mean anything at this point? Like, we're already in the World Cup. What are we, don't do we – should we just save our energy until oh, the World Cup? Come on don't now. Don't do that. Save don't it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh,
4: moving uh, over to college basketball, Bob Huggins, legendary West Virginia head coach DRS, resigns. And the reason he resigned is because the other result was him getting fired. A disastrous, you know, two-month run here for Bob Huggins over the weekend, uh, arrested for a DUI, I believe it was three times over the legal driving limit here. And with all of the other controversies surrounding Huggins, uh, this seemingly was
5: the only result on the table. Yeah, he was close to the edge already, Kevin, with some things that he done just in the recent past over the past two months here. No surprise there when this comes out with the DUI. They, they didn't even leave him any choice at this point, right? They had to make the move at that point. I don't think anybody, oh, you can't do that to Huggy. Yes, you can. It was time.
4: Absolutely. So, in Major League Baseball news, the New York teams in the headlines for the wrong reasons. The Yankees swept by the Boston Red Sox. Back-to-back series losses to Boston and Don to the Mets. They can't even, I mean, they can't even win on their home field against the Cardinals.
5: Yeah, going to need a big bounce back performance from Max Scherzer today, but that's a big-time payroll underperforming.
4: Which, you know, team is he talking about there? The answer is both. We're talking B.O Live right here on Sports Grid. This is the early line. I'm Kevin Walsh. I'm joined by Donnie Wrightside. We begin in the NBA where a blockbuster deal has been completed between the Phoenix Suns and the Washington Wizards. Maybe a couple of details need to still get worked out. Could a third team enter the fold here? But the big story is Bradley Beal makes his way to Phoenix. And this has led to a pretty split reaction. This is now a deal that is hardly being praised unanimously. In fact, I'm not sure if it's a 50-50 split. It feels like maybe more people are lower on this deal for the Suns than actually those praising it. And that's really surprising to me. I think what Phoenix was able to accomplish in the postseason has really been not taken for what it actually was. I know the Suns fell short of what their ultimate expectations were, but they did take two games off of Denver. Chris Paul didn't even play two full games in the series, and DeAndre Ayton was unavailable for the final game of the series. I understand Phoenix didn't have depth on the back end, they also didn't have their front end depth, and still took more games off of the NBA champion Denver Nuggets than any other team that they played throughout their title run. Then you look at what ultimately this Suns team just gave up in order to bring in an all-star caliber player in Bradley Beal. They gave up Chris Paul, who they were going to waive. Pick swaps, which ultimately may never ever convey, and odds are they won't. Second round picks, which in the NBA are essentially fake, because nobody's ever traded a second round pick and thought about it twice. And Landry Schmitt. So the, the Phoenix Suns just essentially added Bradley Beal for Landry Schmitt. And I'm supposed to believe this is a bad deal? I'm supposed to believe the Phoenix Suns got worse? Their title odds didn't get worse, they got better. Plus 800 to plus 650. I just thought this would move a little bit more. We are once again doing the there's only one ball. That was true if Chris Paul was on this team. We're hearing, oh, Bradley Beal is a negative asset that come playoff time. We have never, ever, ever seen Bradley Beal play in anything remotely close to the situation that he is about to play in here in Phoenix. Bradley Beal's never played next to a guy who's top 15 in basketball. He now has two teammates that are inside the top 10. And as we sit here worrying about him being targeted on the defensive side of the floor, again, they did not give up defensive stalwarts in either Chris Paul or Landry Shamet. The Suns' options were not Beal or Lillard or XYZ Superstar. Their options were bring in Bradley Beal for essentially nothing or sit there and stand pat. A great move here, Donnie, by the Phoenix Suns, where I think they unquestionably won this trade against the Washington Wizards and are now more dangerous to win an NBA championship.
5: Do I think they won the trade with the Washington Wizards? Yes, I do. But let's start there, Kevin. And granted, this is coming from a, I bet the Phoenix Suns to win the championship because I thought they had the best starting lineup out there, and I thought that would prevail with enough superstars. It didn't. Now, granted, you're right. They ran up against the Denver Nuggets, who ended up being the best team in basketball and winning the NBA championship. And also, yes, they did get a player injured there in Chris Paul. It would have been nice to see you know, DeAndre Ayton missing some games. But let's get beyond that here. If that didn't happen in Phoenix last year, Kevin, I'd be much much more excited by this and also keep in mind what did happen last year Kevin Durant goes over to the Phoenix Suns they were amazing Kevin in the regular season and I expect that to be the case this year again barring any you know disastrous injuries guys are going to miss five games here 10 games here we get that but there's enough superstar power on the Phoenix Suns to power them but the issue then comes in once you get into the NBA playoffs you need a bench Kevin We saw that last year with the Phoenix Suns. And I would even argue the point at this point that say, hey, you know what? Devin Booker and if you keep uh, Kevin Durant together... Just bolster that bench so they can get a breather and they don't just get hammered and don't have any, you know, resurgence that can help them if they go to the bench. Hey, we're up ten points. I go to the bench, Kevin Durant. Oh no, looks like we're tied again in this game. Let me get back out there. I like the fact that they got a big three, but I'm just shunned from last year by saying, Hey, you know what? This should lead to an NBA championship. Now they should be the favorite. I don't believe that. If you have a hollow bench, which it looks like they're going to have unless they pull some strings, that's where I'll leave it. A very good regular season move. But once you get to the playoffs, I get it. It's not not LeBron James of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it seems like, with the Miami Heat where they can just run three players out there and a bunch of tomato cans and knock everybody off. I don't think you have a player on LeBron's level at this point on the Phoenix Suns, even though I love Kevin Durant. I love Devin Booker. Bradley is a very good player. But the way I match that up, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James, which are much better big three than what you have in Phoenix. I like the move for Phoenix because they're trying to win a championship. But I don't know what they're going to have on the bench. And if it's an empty bench, they're not winning anything next year.
4: So, and this is to me again, though, Donnie, while I think you've made some fair points there, the Suns do not need to be plus 100 to win the title, right? So they added an all-star, but because this is not when Durant joined Golden State, I feel like people are being so negative about it. It is not obvious that Phoenix will win the title next year, and thank goodness, because I hate when that happens, that's not good. It is, it is better when there is uncertainty in the market. But again, I be the honest, they gave up Beal for Shemette v- virtually here. It's a no-brainer type of decision. Also, you mentioned how good they'll be in the regular season. Let's not forget this team was the fourth seed and had to play Denver in round two on the road. Phoenix next year having the best record in basketball is absolutely on the table. And they won two out of three games in Phoenix against Denver. But also this last bit here. And and I think you're more so saying you want to see how the bench is rounded out. A lot of people, Donnie, are suggesting that they're not going to have a bench that essentially the Phoenix Suns have agreed to play four on five and see if they can win a title that way. Trading DeAndre Ayton is not only on the table, but I think an obvious decision for this basketball team to make because they do not need a 20-point-per-game offense-only center. I know people think, oh, can't Frank Vogel potentially turn him into a defense? Who can't? You don't need that. You do not need Frank Vogel to all of a sudden turn DeAndre Ayton into Miles Turner. Go out there and make moves, Donnie. Also, you have to imagine that they are now going to become the team when we talk about signing cheap contract veteran contracts guys that are looking to win championships and even if they're not number one with a bullet they're going to be in the mix on every single one of those players it's not that we know the final depth is bad donnie we just don't know what it is yet there's a chance they can round out the rest of this basketball team quite nicely
5: and that's what we're going to have to see and also you do have to credit ownership kevin You know, Ishbi has only been in there for months at a time and has acquired Kevin Durant and also Bradley Beal. If you're a fan of the Phoenix Suns, isn't that you want one out of your own? And now, granted, if it doesn't work out, everybody's going to second-guess it. That's just the nature of the beast. But right now, you have to be happy saying, hey, look, we got Kevin Durant. It didn't work out. How do we improve this team? Let's get another superstar without losing a Devin Booker and or a Kevin Durant being upset. You brought in a coach. It seems like with smoothing over the waters here. And we'll see what happens with DeAndre Ayton. I agree with you completely. There's, There's no use for DeAndre Ayton now on the Phoenix. Sons. you can have that big three here. There's plenty of scoring out here now you just need the film and say you know what who's going to run out here and create screens and who can I run off of here who can I play good defense that's going to rebound and run the floor that's what you're going to need so from a fan's perspective I actually like what Phoenix is doing because every fan should want that out of their ownership group hey you know what I bought this basketball team yeah I'm just looking at the bottom line he's not looking at that he's looking to make some waves here will they work out we'll see but today if you ask me today from just last year the way it ended up are the Suns a better basketball team now than they were before they got B.O.? Yes, they are. And I guess that's half the point that we're trying to make here. Even if I don't know if it results in a championship, they're a better team today than they were yesterday before they got B.O.
6: And
4: what I would say, Don, is that's actually all that matters. Because you're not supposed to know who's going to win next year's championship in the middle of June. So this, like... That's to me ultimately what matters. We don't know their final roster yet. What I know is they got better when they made this deal. There's a lot of fallout from this what Miami will do, where Chris Paul will land, and of course the impossible to answer question what in the world were the Wizards thinking? That's all coming up in hour number two, but next we get to the US Open right here on the early line The early line continues here on Sports Group. We make the move over to the golf world, where the U.S. Open this week at Los Angeles Country Club was won by Wyndham Clark, a tremendous performance carried by an incredible start from him, six under on round one, did not have a single day over par, and that's all he needed in the final round was a smooth 70 to hold off Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. Let's start this off by hearing from Wyndham Clark after his win at the U.S. Open.
2: I think it's fair to say that there's probably some people watching who didn't know a lot about you Uh, now having one on this stage i'm I'm wondering what you hope people learned about you uh, through your play this week and, and especially today
6: um you know i feel like i i belong on this i feel like i belong on this stage and i you know even two three years ago when people didn't know who i was i felt like i could still Still play and compete against the best players in the world, and I've I felt like I've shown that this year, um, you know, and I've ha- I've come up close, and you know, obviously everyone sees the person that hoists the trophy, but I've been trending in the right direction for a long time now. I've made a lot of cuts. I've had a handful of top tens and top twenties, and I feel like I've been on a great trajectory to get to this place. And obviously, it's it's gone faster than I thought. In um, you know, as far as it's just starting to do some stuff mentally that I've never done before, um, but I feel like I'm one of the best players in the world, and you know, obviously, this is just shows that what I believe is uh, can happen. And um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a pretty humble, calm guy, and I I don't try to get too high or too low in things. And um, you know, I'm obviously going to celebrate this, but I I like to compete. I like to. I like to play against – I'm so competitive. I want to beat everybody, uh, but also be friends with everybody. So I'm trying to – I try to, you know, have a good mix of that.
2: Um, I think –
6: From Clark there, Donnie, you can just
4: absolutely feel the confidence. And that's really what – of jumps off of the page when you consider who is around him heading into the final day teeing off right before him scotty scheffler world number one rory mcelroy one of the very best golfers over the last decade plus ricky fowler teeing off next to him and while ricky is kind of going through a bit of a comeback story if you will again still one of the premier names in this sport wyndham clark enters this tournament at 100-1 to one, and at no point looked out of place on that final round. I know it was a little uneven on the last few holes for him, which kept this thing interesting until the very, very last putt, but it, even when he missed an approach shot, he consistently was able to battle back. If you look at anything that he did, it felt like Donnie on about the the, the last round here, quite frankly, it felt like Every single hole, he could have easily had one extra stroke put on it. He was a step from disaster throughout those 18 holes and consistently was able to either save par, limit damage, snag a couple of birdies here. Wyndham Clark was so impressive here on this final day to win the U.S. Open.
5: Yes, and also, like, sometimes, Kevin, where you take a look at these major championships, we just expect the leaderboard to be the top 20 golfers in the world all battling on the final day, and that's not the case. you got to put together four really good rounds. Yeah. And also, if you're saying to yourself, well, the majors are a different scenario, Kevin, than just in every week, week-to-week week PGA Golf Tour event, which just a few weeks ago, the Wells Fargo Championship, he actually won that event, Kevin, put in six, 3.6 million. So just to win golf events, you put yourself in positions, hey, man, I've done this before, but maybe not at the major level. You take a look at the PGA Championship, Kevin, he was a plus eight. Where did he finish at the U.S. Open, a minus 10, an eight? team shot swing between majors here is equally impressive and also when you have players Kevin that are bearing down your neck and saying you know what I'm right behind you I won this before you never did it you're gonna struggle he didn't here never had that blow hole. didn't take a quadruple bogey on the back nine which put him from the lead into the back behind maybe the second or third golfer in this tournament never had that here and holding on to the very last minute that, that's pretty impressive and they say you know the hardest one Kevin typically in the majors is getting your first one we'll see where Wyndham Clark goes at this point but as he stated he said look the belief in yourself is half the battle at that point here and when you go toe-to-toe with the best in the world in majors and win it that goes a long way for your confidence in the future certainly does
4: with that said there's obviously pressure going in as you said Donnie to winning a first major Rory never collapsed but man did Rory not apply a world of pressure Donnie out here in this final round, birdies hole one, the hole, everything else, par, 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 par. 14 was a bogey, which again, interestingly enough, it was after rory bogeyed on 14 is when clark had his two holes of where he slipped up and allowed him back in it's almost as if actually that's what it kind of it took to knock clark off of his you know spot there is that he needed to feel breathing room for the first time but rory we talk about this a lot when we bet basketball live the idea of show lead You know, you constantly, you're down 15, you cut it to six. You cut it to six. Well, now it's back up to nine. You cut it down to four. Well, now it's back up to seven. You just got, all right, we got it tied. We got the game tied. We're up by one. We're up by two. And then that you can carry that momentum through. Rory McIlroy never found momentum. He was playing very, very good golf yesterday. No doubt about it, Donnie. But he could not get a putt to fall outside of seven feet. He just couldn't. All of the long putts were right there, but none of them could find the hole. And for Rory McIlroy, it, it's hard to you can It's hard to criticize a second place finish at the U.S. Open with this field, right, Donnie? But look, even last week at the Canadian Open, he was the favorite heading into Sunday. He didn't win that tournament, and he was the favorite once again here heading into Sunday and didn't win that tournament. And now one of the biggest stories on tour continues to be the fact that Rory McIlroy, who has been one of the best golfers in the world again for well over a decade, has is now going to be closing in, Donnie, on having not won a major championship in nearly a decade, 2014, the last
5: time. Yeah, it's incredible to think about it, too, because usually a player of his ilk just stumbles into one or finds himself in a Sunday where somebody might collapse. Now, granted, he hasn't won one in 10 years. It shows you how hard it still is to win major championships. You don't just grow on trees. You don't just win one every single year because you're a great golfer. It's been a while now, but look at on Sunday. I would have tell you right now, if you would have told me his player card, let's just say before that bogey that he had on 16, right? Birdies the first hole, and let's just say he never had a bogey and parred all the way through. I would have probably said he might have won going away because we thought that Wyndham Clark might have been one of those guys that, hey, look, never been in this position in a major. Uh, I'm going to end up shooting 76 and just blow myself right out of first place here. It never happened here, so I think Rory might have had the patient approach there, right, Kevin? Say, you know what? I think I'm the more skilled golfer here. Let me just keep the pressure on by hanging around. And sooner or later, Wyndham Clark is going to fall off and it never happened, which makes it even more incredible. And even those back-to-back bogeys on the back nine wasn't enough to stifle. Because when you saw that, Kevin, what do you say? Oh, the pressure's finally getting to him. Late on the back nine, Father's Day. This is where all that U.S. Open pressure comes in. And it didn't affect him. They was able to keep calm here and win this tournament. But getting back to Rory, he's going to win again. But you're right. This was one of those, if you were trying to handicap heading into the day, hey, Rory, just put something decent together today. You'll probably walk away with a championship and it didn't happen.
4: On, in terms of everybody else in this field, Ricky Fowler is the next biggest story. I I mean, I think without a doubt, Donnie, and while Ricky will be disappointed in the end result here of finishing T5, shooting five over on the final day, And while it might be a little unfair for us to criticize Rory for not being able to close the deal and then praise Fowler after shooting five over uh, in the final day, but I got to tell you, Donnie, the second that they showed last year, Ricky Fowler had to stand there the entire day at the U.S. Open as the first alternate wondering if somebody wouldn't show up and ultimately never got out there and was not in the U.S. Open last year to being, Donnie, in the final group, it's... It's hard not to look at this
5: as a massive success year for Ricky Fowler. Yeah, Ricky's been around a while. One of those guys you would figure by now would have multiple major championships. It just hasn't worked out in his favor. And sometimes you can have those. And it's not even a Cinderella story. Like, he's a very good golfer that's made a lot of money in the past. What was his biggest win, I guess, would be the TPC, uh, the Players' Championship, a few years ago. But having lined it up, didn't you feel like, though, this was probably going to be his year? Playing so well to get out of the gate. And also, Kevin, we talked about this Friday afternoon on the radio. And, we, you know, somebody, oh, they're going to make changes to this golf course. We said, boy, what a boon this is, Kevin. Those guys that got out six, seven, eight under on Friday, they're gonna have a legitimate chance that if they just go into the weekend playing good golf, that monster first day, which won't be out there because Birdies will be so much tougher to come by, we thought that would help them. And you're right, look at that. 62, 68, 70, 75 on Sunday, which is a plus five over par. It was almost like if you were asking the people out there, who should win this? Who do you want to cheer on and win? It was probably Ricky Fowler all the way through. Just didn't have enough left in the tank here on day number four, Kevin.
4: And and here's the the thing, and this is kind of, I believe, a bit of a theme with just in golf in general, but those round one leaders, eight under history, Donnie, for both Ricky Fowler and Xander Schauffele. And I, again, Ricky looks quite great compared to Xander. I know it was a two-shot difference, but... Xander yesterday was really not good, and the day before that was even worse. I mean, he he shot it at five over, you know, after the opening day of play, which is just nowhere near good enough for Xander Schofield, who transitioned into the favorite after the opening round of this tournament the u.s open was fantastic we will hit this a little bit more at the top of our two but there were some big doings in major league baseball this weekend including the game's very very best continuing to show exactly why he is just that
3: Reese, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
4: Back right here on SportsGrid, a busy morning already trying to handle the Bradley Beal deal as well as the U.S. Open with Wyndham Clark winning his first major championship. But Major League Baseball also with some big-time results that popped off the page. Uh, But also one player right now who is dominating the headlines. And that is Shohei Otani, who is baseball's new home run leader. But we want you to be able to drink that in. Here's the call for Shohei's home run in yesterday's 5 2 win against the Kansas City Royals. Shohei sends a ball out to deep right field. Blanco looks up, and he's done it again.
0: That's a curveball, that's a rocket, another home run on a break of ball That's nine home runs slugging over 600 versus break of balls Exit velocity, 117 miles per hour on a slow
4: curveball that was 70 miles an hour. Came wow. in at 70, went out at over 100, and Otani, Major League Baseball's home run leader, has just sent his 24th into the afternoon.
5: Donnie, do you want to critique the call? Or did you like the call? I need a little bit more explosiveness on that because that's a violent swing by Otani. We did a violent play call in that K-Dub. I, I love yeah, the 24th get of the year, though, for Otani. I loved it.
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, Shohei Otani right now uh, is maybe the hottest hitter in baseball. His numbers are outrageous. And we often talk when it comes to Shohei Ohtani about where the MVP odds are, and we'll do that in a moment. But Ohtani is a favorite in a different market now, and that is to lead Major League Baseball in home runs, plus 260. Right now, you've got Pete Alonzo, plus 480, 6-1 on Matt Olson and Kyle Schwarber. Aaron Judge, largely due to injury, has fallen back to 12-1. to Donnie, Shohei Ohtani... With everything that he is able to do and how impressed we've all been, the fact that now it is a legitimate question of will he lead? I mean, we knew he could be be in the
5: mix, but he is the favorite to lead Major League Baseball now in home runs. It's just unbelievable. Like, What what is he going to do with his career, Kevin? Win like Cy Young on the mound, win the home run crown, one year he'll win the batting title. I mean, there's nothing he cannot do, which includes hit home runs. 24 here. We're not even close to the all-star break yet. Could Shohei Ohtani... Be an unbelievably talented dominant pitcher kevin hit around 300 and dropped 50 home runs yeah, we, sometimes when you talk about some of these sensations, they say, hey, look, they're going to have great careers, and maybe they do have a solid career." But the stuff that Otani is putting up right now—it's almost you can't even calculate. And again, as I say this, if he wins the MVP this year, is every other MVP campaign going to be measured up to Shohei Otani? It's just incredible with what he's doing. And yes, there is a legitimate chance he wins the crown here. This isn't one of "Hey, he's just having a hot month." Like, no, we know Shohei Otani has the power at the plate to hit a ton of home runs, which usually would be. 35 or 40. Kevin, if he approaches 50 home runs this year, could we be talking about the greatest single season by a major league baseball player in the history of baseball? I, I'm not being outlandish. Oh, Don, you're, you're you're passing over. Barry. I understand all that. But did Barry Bonds, was he a dominant pitcher on the mound? No, he wasn't. I need to see this I, just for my own being, Kevin. Stay in the American League, as you say. Win the MVP. Let's calculate these numbers, both hitting and pitching. By the end of it all, it might be the best we've ever seen all time. Look, it is a historic season already, at
4: minimum. And I think for me, though, as far as Otani leading baseball in home runs, I am curious if... At some point, there could be a fatigue thing that set that factors in. If you remember a couple of years ago, when you and I were doing the early line together at this time, Otani getting to 50 didn't mm-hmm. seem like the question. We were lining up yeah. hot or nots. Will Otani hit 60 home runs? He yeah. finished that year with only 46, but did lose the home run crown. And again, I am not suggesting that if Otani doesn't win the home run crown, that's a disappointment or that is going to stop him from winning MVP. But he is the favorite in the market. I wouldn't be rushing there. He's having a phenomenal, phenomenal month. DRS obviously has been piping hot over the last two plus weeks here, but I still do doubt he actually win it. He wins the home run crown. What I don't doubt is is him winning AL MVP? That minus 250, a story of the past. It is now minus 430. So uh, the injury stuff, Donnie, we've done this before, you and I specifically, where we said DeGrom didn't need to throw the baseball again. And then they were like, hey, watch this. And he didn't throw the baseball again and he did lose the NL Cy Young. He at the time was the favorite for NL MVP a couple of years ago. Otani and health, right? Again, people continue to hammer, you know, if that would be the only thing that could possibly mess this up. But even again, it's it would have to be season-ending, right, in order to blow this up for Shohei. And I know I've continued to talk about the trade scenario, but I don't know. Maybe I should entertain the fact that the Angels optically, can you really trade this guy like, how bad that will look opt- if you trade this guy during this season, Donnie, while you are trying to make the postseason?
5: I mean, if it helps financially, Major League Baseball, the ownership groups don't really care about anything but making money. Some of these teams, particularly in California, we look at the Oakland Athletics. They're just embarrassing themselves and probably going to make more of a profit by going to Las Vegas at this point. So if it makes financial mm-hmm. stability happen for the Angels, they would trade him at the break and say, hey, this is just what's best for us. I mean, Kevin... Go back to what, the early 1990s, late 1980s? I mean, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player to ever walk through Canada and the world and play hockey, even he was moved. Why? Because it made financial sense there for the Edmonton Oilers just for their financial stability. Money rules, Kevin. And even if great players can help your team win, winning financially may be a little bit bigger for some of these owners.
4: Sounds like I can pull Donnie into the Otani gets moved side of things, which Mm. is great. I want to make this one last point just quickly because uh, I'm petty. Uh, Every time we do an Otani clip, there does usually seem to be more traction on it. And people always get mad that I bring up wins above replacement because apparently it is a statistic that works against Otani. Second in baseball right now is Wander Franco at 3.8 otani is first at 4.9 the stat doesn't work against him don't get mad he didn't win the mvp last year he'll win it this year unless he gets traded to the national league which is still absolutely in play speaking of the national league i'll tell you one team that could trade for him right now and by the way i mean this that's the cincinnati reds ellie Hmm. de la cruz for otani straight up who says no (laughs) maybe Hmm. cincinnati i don't know the guy's hot at the dish a pair of double hit days and a pair of wins against the astros donnie as they complete the sweep of the world series champs cincinnati going out here drs and they've won themselves eight consecutive games big time prices abound plus 430 to make the playoffs plus 550 to win the central are you feeling the cincinnati buzz
5: or what I'll tell you what I'm feeling on Cincinnati is the fact that they can absolutely deliver at the plate a good, young, fun, powerful ball club, Kevin, which we're going to get to in the second hour and take a look at a preview of today's Major League Baseball card. There's 10 games, and if I would tell you right now the best game on the board for explosiveness, it's probably going to be the Cincinnati Reds today. Now, granted, I'm not buying in just yet. I need more out of that pitching staff. And also, Kevin, as you stated, they're young ball players here. They're going to go through their ups and downs. They're certainly right now going through an up, but at the same time, They play in a division where you're looking at saying, okay, who is the talent? It's the St. Louis Cardinals. They can't get out of their own way and are terrible this season. Now you're finally seeing the Pittsburgh Pirates once again come back down to earth. This is a team that's probably going to contend. But having said that, they probably are going to need to win that division. And I don't know if they have the young enough talent that's been there, done that before, if that makes some sense. But we'll know a lot also, Kevin. When the trade deadline does come up, are you going to help this team? Or are you going to let this team pass? Hey, you know what? We know we're a year or two to wait at this point. We're not going to trade any prospects here. Let's continue to grow this organically. That's going to tell me what the direction of the Reds is going to be for the remainder of 2023.
4: All right. Well, let me let me get a sense here. They're, they are plus 550. St. Mm-hmm. Louis is plus 550. The Reds are a half back of the Brewers. The Cardinals are eight back of the Reds. At plus 550, who would you rather bet to win the NL Central?
5: I'm actually going to bet the Cincinnati Reds here, Kevin. And you're right. When oh, you yeah. say in those terms where Get here's excited. what the level playing field is, the team that's more talented is the Cardinals, Kevin. But did you see my premise there? Let me see what the Cincinnati Ownership Group does at the trade deadline. Same thing goes, maybe even worse, Kevin, for the Cardinals because I doubt St. Louis is going like, hey, you know what, guys? Let's see what we can do here to the deadline. We're going to add on it. To the- I mean- no, you're not. You might be talking about Nolan Arenado gone, Paul Goldschmidt gone, some of those young hitters that you have coming up through being gone because you need pitching more than anything in the future for the St. Louis Cardinals. So when we're looking at the deadline, Kevin, the Reds should be adding. The Cardinals might be subtracting. That's all I need to know.
4: And the Brewers should be adding, but they'll probably subtract because they're crazy. So get excited, people. Cincinnati's in the mix. I just found my new thing, I get to bother Donnie about all baseball season. We are absolutely back, back, back. Now, We, you know what, Donnie, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's feeling like a couple of yeah. years ago, because a couple of years ago, I was pushing your buttons, I'm like, hey, don't you think St. Louis is going to make the playoffs? You're like, no, this is mm-hmm. ridiculous, and then you realize somebody had to make it, right? So now I'm back to pushing you at an NL Central team, and the other question a couple of years ago you keep ha- you keep having to answer was, hey, are the Dodgers in trouble? Well, 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 Donnie, are the Dodgers in trouble? Swept by the piping hot San Francisco Giants who are on a seven-game winning streak. The Dodgers are in third place, third in the NL West. Dodgers panic
5: or what? You know what's the best part about that, too, is you go, ooh, the Dodgers are in third place. Ooh, ooh, the Padres, K-Dub. They must be scorching hot. Yeah, the Padres are in fourth place in that division, which shows you how crazy sometimes Major League Baseball can be. A team that we thought may be competitive there at the best, the Diamondbacks in first yeah. place at 43-29, and 29, and the Giants, you said, red hot here. We haven't even talked Giants baseball at all in this show, and all of a sudden, they're, they're waking up again be. and playing good baseball. Seven straight wins here, Kevin. Eight and two in their last ten, and have actually now surpassed the Los Angeles Dodgers I'm not giving up on the Dodgers they are way too talented now when we talk about talent right we just talked about the Cardinals but the Dodgers have the pedigree behind them as well I expect them to make moves at the deadline they're just not pitching up to their talents at this point but when I look at that Giants roster it's like boy what do you like about it there's not a lot to love but here they are again remember all those World Series that they win basically every other year it's like okay they got Buster Posey and who else on this baseball team Brandon Crawford yeah that was enough to win at that time and maybe it is again this time I'm not trusting the Giants I'm still trusting the Dodgers it's hard to give up on that payroll and that talent this early
4: here's what I love and you are not wrong in what you just did by the way but you just said you're trusting the Dodgers not the Giants neither of them are in first place Arizona Diamondbacks are three and a half up on San Fran and four up on the Dodgers and isn't this supposed to be a Diamondbacks team that's been waiting in the wings Zach Gallen, one of your favorites Donnie On a regular Mm -hmm. basis here, do they not deserve— The Diamondbacks are the second choice, by the way, on the FanDuel Sportsbook, now plus 450. They're way out in front of San Fran at plus 750 in terms of NL West odds.
5: Yeah, they got more talent than San Francisco does, so that's going to certainly go a long way. And I love the fact that they have one of those lineups, Kevin, that can hit left-handers and right-handers with the ability to have switch hitters. As long as you can get that front-line star pitching, Merrill Kelly and also Gallon, if they can be aces one and two, they're going to be a tough out also you try to extrapolate into the playoffs, right? You need two aces to go forward. If those guys can stay healthy there, that's a pretty good one-two punch in a playoff series.
4: It is. And then the Dodgers at the deadline are going to trade for Corbin Burns, Paul Goldschmidt, and maybe Shohei Otani. And then this whole thing will feel like a gigantic waste of time. But until then, we ask the question. John Moran, next here on The Early Line Big news in the NBA on Friday surrounding the Memphis Grizzlies star guard, John Moran, as he was suspended for 25 games. Donnie, you and I talked a lot about, and we we handled this, I think, on radio already, the expectations of this suspension and how they were driven by the NBA saying, we don't want to do it now, it's going to take away from the finals. And then all of a sudden, the 25 games felt very light. Folks have since attempted to put this more into perspective. Miles Bridges and all of his off-court problems, the domestic violence charges, receive 30 games. When you put that into perspective, plus the money that this is seemingly going to guarantee Ja Morant misses out on, it is a major suspension. The bigger thing to me is the fact that the NBA PA is going to seemingly aggressively pursue getting this suspension shortened, and maybe they could be successful. In that here, the world where John Morant misses under 20 games feels
5: on the table right now. It might be on the table, Kevin. And also, we're coming at this from a perspective of 25 games. Like, hey, man, that's a light suspension. That is a big-time suspension in professional sports. But the only reason why it's being treated differently, Kevin, because the NBA made it feel like it was supposed to be way more substantial than what it actually was. Adam Silver comes up to the press conference, Kevin, immediately before it starts, before the finals. By the way, John Morant suspended 25 games for the 2023 season and we'll talk about this after the final okay all right he got 25 that's a lot and we'll talk about that later but the fact that the nba set this up as a monumental suspension which meant hey we saw the malice in the palace suspensions kevin basically banishing players from the nba we weren't going to go to that level at least we didn't think but the fact that he got 25 games which again is very substantial when you take a look at the landscape of the nba and suspensions but at the same time we expected a lot more and that's the nba's fault they did this for the optics
4: Yeah, and I I agree that they could have put this out and it would have easily kind of boiled over. And here's the best example of that. It came out Friday and it has since largely boiled over. This isn't a lead story at this point there. Nevertheless, we will see what the end result here is for John Moran. We go back to the golf world next.
3: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So,